This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Welcome to episode 14 of Make America Grape Again. I'm your host, Cody Burkett, CSW. And I'm not. Today, we're exploring Washington. Focus today is the 2012 Pinot Gris Columbia Valley from Mary Hill Winery. And this is located in the Yakima, Yakima area, I guess. No, not at all in the Yakima area. Uh, this is going to be in the Columbia Valley AVA. It's almost like this episode doesn't want us to record it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does seem that way. Or actually, there is a Columbia, I think there is a Columbia Gorge AVA. There's a Columbia River Gorge. Um, set by the guy who's never been to the Northwest. And who is consistently, before recording this episode, kept calling Washington, Oregon. Oh, yes. <laughs> Every single time. It's okay, though. Washington is Oregon's Canada. <laughs> or Canada's Mexico. Indeed. <laughs> So anyway, this is a Pinot Grigio, which is the same as Pinot Gris, which uh, is one mutation uh, away from being a bad supervillain. Gary, would you care to explain this further? Yeah, so Pinots in general are extremely genetically unstable to the point of the simple random mutations that happen in cells all the time to you and me and every plant as the cells are dividing can cause Pinot Gris to become Pinot Blanc or Pinot Noir. And you can find clusters of all three on the same vine, if you're lucky enough. Yeah, it's uh, a bit of a, a genetic clusterfuck. Uh, literally, actually. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like those purebred dogs that have all the health problems. And it's all because they've been inbred for so long. And I don't really know the history of the Pinots, so I can't say they've well, been inbred together for so long, but uh, it's kind of... There is a genetics chart for Pinot as a varietal. You son of a bitch, you should have showed me this earlier. Uh, Spice! In the big giant red book, and yeah, it looks like the fucking Habsburg family tree almost. <laughs> I would have been able to provide a lot more insight into this if I had looked at this first. But at the same time, I wanted you to go with what you knew rather than looking at a chart. Because I'm evil like that. Muhahaha. Um, so the origins of Pinot are obscure. And there's a lot of legends about it. It may come from the French, a related French word for basically pine cone because of the shape of the clusters. Um, now this wine, after doing a little bit more research, is coming, in fact, from the Columbia Valley Gorge, or Columbia Gorge, rather, AVA. Now, Washington as a whole has 31,000 acres of planted vineyards. What are you, what are you giggling at? All the question marks on this, this chart, <laughs> especially when it comes to and from Pinot. <laughs> it's like, all right, Pinot was bred with something to make something else that we don't know, which was bred with something else that we don't know, which made Teraldigo and Doriza. <laughs> and yeah. Pinot comes from 
no fucking clue. There's a question mark on one side and some German thing I can't pronounce on the other. Which is the German thing you can't pronounce? It's got a lot of dots over it. Gansfuse! Gansfuse! Ah, oh, yes, I remember when they were playing an opening for Primus. <laughs> Yeah, they're a Metallica knockoff band. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like how this wine feels. <laughs> Neither of us are terribly thrilled about this wine, by the way. Uh, it was very clearly backsweeted, and not even in a fun way. Clearly taste of invert sugar. Um, for those who don't know what invert sugar is, Gary, would you fill in the gap? So, if you're trying to dissolve table sugar into a liquid... If you've ever tried to sweeten a glass of iced tea, you'll know that table sugar doesn't dissolve in cold things. And wine can't be heated up to allow the sugar to dissolve. So what you would do in that instance is make a simple syrup out of the table sugar and water. Heating up the water, you allow the sugar to dissolve. But if you continue to heat the water until it boils and you let it boil for a few minutes, you actually break the bonds in the sucrose into a glucose and a fructose molecule, and it tastes sweeter than table sugar does, so you need less of it to achieve the same result. And that end product is called an invert sugar. Now that being said, the nose of this wine is pretty standard Pinot Grigio. Um, and as we were saying, Pinot Grigio is just one more mutation away from being a supervillain. You've got the, the apple character, sort of lilac and... Um, what was that other flower that I was saying earlier? Lilies. Yes. And, and sort of lily petals. And apple and, and sort of key lime pie character. But on the palate, it's just sweet. Yeah. And now there are good sweet Pinot Gris coming from, say, Alsace, parts of California, parts of Germany, actually. There are some places that do almost a late harvest Pinot uh, Gris, which is the same as Pinot Gio. There but it's not that same sweetness. It's definitely not, to me, it doesn't taste like this is a grape sweetness, as you commented, it's invert sugar. Yeah. It tastes like. It tastes like a child's apple juice. Yeah, and looking at the percentage of alcohol in this wine, it makes sense that it's sweet. It's only 13.8. But I mean, my greater than red is 13.8 as well, and it is bone dry. Hmm, we are on a mystery here. My rosé that I made for Four Tales, 13-2. So, well, this... The rosé we just drank in the previous episode that we just recorded, 12%, bone dry. So what's wrong with this wine here is the better question. It doesn't taste like it was... Late harvest. Late harvest at all. Or that it was just a high... What we would normally consider for Pinot Gris and then arrested fermentation. It tastes adulterated. Yeah. And let's be clear about this. There's nothing wrong with that. If people like it, yeah. then someone's gotta make it. I mean, we can be purists and gung-ho about only making the kind of wines that we think are appropriate. You know, we can be wine hipsters. And we can also be not selling wine, or we can make the wine that the people want and sell a lot of it and do really well and use the funds from that to make the wines we want to drink personally. And a good winemaker and a good business person is about finding that balance. Which is, again, like you said, not a bad thing. you yeah. got to sell wine to make wine. 
Absolutely. If you don't sell any wine and you're still a winemaker, it's a hobby. It's not a business. So if this is what it takes for you to sell wine, then by all means, do it. Yeah. And if it's something that you like, by all means, drink it. As I think we've mentioned before, the Dread Pirate Wesley School of Wine. Any wine that you like is a good wine. Anyone who tells you anything differently is trying to sell you something. Yep. And that's just the way it is. This is a different sort of sweet than that Viognier that we tasted from Virginia, too. Very true. Uh, I honestly think I kind of like that one better than this one. Mm -hmm. But I've also never been a true fan of most Pinot Gris, either. I am a big fan of a dry, crisp Pinot Gris. It's one of my favorite wines, particularly from uh, the southeast. I think they can do an amazing job with it there if you can overcome the challenges of growing it in the southeast. But this is not my cup of tea. And I'm okay with that. I'm not going to finish this glass, but if this is your thing, there's no judgment for me for drinking it. Yeah. So, specifically, while the label says Columbia Valley, uh, Mary Hill Winery is actually located in the Columbia Gorge AVA, and the website also says Columbia Gorge. Although, maybe they're sourcing the grapes from the Columbia Valley AVA, even though their winery is in the Columbia Gorge AVA. There's a lot of... Well, actually, there isn't much leeway with labeling uh, when it comes to American wine law. Uh, if you're going to label it as an AVA, um, which technically this does not say AVA anywhere on the label. It doesn't have to, though. But if, like, my, again, my greater than red, on the label it says Wilcox. It doesn't say Wilcox AVA. I can't put Wilcox on it unless Wilcox is an AVA. Yeah. So, I Columbia Valley is the AVA the grapes were sourced from. Okay, so we're dealing with Columbia Valley even though the winery is located in the Columbia Gorge AVA. Um, not to be confused with each other, although let's of course confuse the matter even further because uh, the Columbia Gorge AVA is in the Columbia Valley AVA. So the Columbia Valley AVA is one of those massive super AVAs that covers a lot of eastern Washington and has a lot of different sub-AVAs in it like Yakima Valley, Walla Walla, uh, Red Mountain, which is home of the best Cabernet Franc Rosé I've ever had. Um, but that's the way these AVAs can work in some cases, that you have sort of Matryoshka dolls all the way down, and in some cases denoting even specific vineyards. Well, that's just kind of the, the beauty of the AVA system. It kind of actually reminds you of the German system, where you have uh, these four levels denoting a, a region, a subregion, a region of the subregion, and a region that can be like five or six vineyards, although there aren't any AVAs or sub-AVAs that cover like at most four or five vineyards that I am aware of, except for one AVA in California, which is one vineyard at the time of making the AVA that covers more acreage because I guess more vineyards were going in, um, which I cannot remember at the, at the top of my head. I want to say it's something ranch. AVA that's basically was made off of a single vineyard hmm. and is covering the space of that vineyard and like space for three or four others that were in development. Interesting. But anyway, Pinot Gris is a fascinating grape. There are a lot of we think better examples, but if you like sweet Pinot Gris, this is a great example for you to try. It does have a little bit of that honeyed character that you would expect from an aged Pinot Gris. But I, I think it's just so many of those subtleties 
that we like in Pinot Gris are overwhelmed by this sweetness. Mm -hmm. um, but if that's what you like, go grab a bottle. And with that, make America grape again. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at, at theazwinemonk, or on Twitter at cvburkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagrapeagainpodcast.com. I'm Gary. You can find me on Instagram at greaterthanwines on Facebook at facebook.com slash greater than wines and by email at greater than wines at gmail.com. <laughs>